Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And this is the Spooky Hour. More like the Sleepy Hour. <laughs> the Sleepy Hour. I don't know any lullabies to sing here. No. We've just had a week and we're tired, you guys. And it's dark out and it's only 5.30. It feels like it's 10.30. I looked, I looked outside the window at work at fucking 3 p.m. And I gasped at how dark it was. Yeah. And I was like, can I go home? Is it time yet? <laughs> I'm kind of glad I'm working from home now because usually it would take me like an hour and 20 minutes to get home. And I would just Oof. be driving home in the dark and driving to work in the dark. And winter sucks. So Everything sucks. Everything sucks. And then we die. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I don't know. Oh God, we have nothing this week, guys. This is I don't. Why do you listen to us? I don't know. Um, do we have any good news to share? Um, Biden's president. That's all I got. Biden's president. Oh my God. Yay. Yeah. Okay, you so did it, America. Good job. We're, we're late because we record on Mondays, and for some reason, you guys decided we record this on, on like- Fridays. Holly. Oh my god. We release it on Monday, but you tried. You. You're welcome. I don't know where I am right now. I would also like to point out we're both sober. Yeah. We are just this tired. Yeah. But um yeah, we record on Fridays. You guys made a president on like what, Sunday? So it's not our fault. We tried. <laughs> but good job. We're proud of you. Good job. We are very proud. We're very excited. Uh hopefully we see some positive change. Uh I was in like Canada Post when I saw it. We were trying to deliver a package and I was like, fuck it. I was on. I was pulling into my parents' driveway, and my dad came out and was like, "No, it was not my dad. My mom." She's like, "Biden's president," and I was like, "Yay!" And that was it. And then there's that like, "Oh shit!" moment where it's like, "He's not that great either," but like, Ugh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was the better candidate, so he was the better candidate. I will say that absolutely. But that's but all yeah. I got. Do you want to just like jump into the spookies today? Let's just do it. Let's just do it, you guys. <laughs> so hopefully we laugh more as this goes this is a therapy session this is and uh, yeah well it'll it'll be good this one's kind of interesting today um i'm gonna talk about a haunted home in merrill um it's a small village which is located in jones field township in saginaw county which is in michigan so this jesus i thought you were gonna say like ireland or like the uk or something none of those places sound like they're in america no michigan (laughs) michigan michigan (laughs) yeah So it is a farming town. Um, there, This home that is there has experienced quite a few paranormal instances, um, but the population of the town is like just under 800 people, so it's really small. Um, so in 1951, a family by the name of Palmer Awning, Palmer Awning, let's, let's go with it, um, built a home <laughs> on Dice Road in Merrill. Uh, Harold Palmer Awning lived with his wife and two sons, Dwan and Terry. When the house was built, it was just Mr. and Mrs. Pomeroning. They just, I think it was before their marriage. Um, but um, when the weird, like, paranormal stuff started happening, his two kids were pretty young, but, like, elementary school age. So it was a bit mm-hmm. after. Uh, so one evening uh, in July of 1974, Harold had called the sheriff's department because him and his family were experiencing loud banging on the side of their home. They had no idea what it like what it was or who it was and believed someone was like trying to like just fuck with them or like there was like an intruder on the outside of their house. Um, so they called the cops, obviously. Um, Charles Frisbee was the officer on duty that night. Frisbee. Frisbee. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We're here for your last name. <laughs> um, so he was the officer to respond to that call. Charles said that night it was raining and when he checked around the house, um, he found no evidence of anyone like had been there. Um, so there was a lot of mud around the home. Um, so you, he said you would have like seen something like m- like 
footprints in the mud, something like that, but nothing. Um, So they weren't able to determine where this noise was coming from. So now these bangs and noises continued every single night for over a year. A year. And the police were called to the home every single day and night. Every single day. At what point do you just... Oh, I guess after a year you give up and move. Is this where yeah, this is going? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so they are, there's like so many police reports. Like I'm not even kidding. There's a police report for literally every single day, and I'm not going through them all, but they're all <laughs> out there, guys. You can go read them. They're nuts. That's amazing. Yeah. Show, 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 show. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I don't know. <laughs> Um, so Charles Frisbee said that on this, his like second night that he was called to the home, that while he was talking to Harold in the home, a painting had fallen off the wall and a coffee cup, which was, was, was I can't talk today, was pushed <laughs> off the table. That was completely unexplained. But while he was there talking to Harold, all this stuff happened. Um, now, every time the officers were called to this home, um, and I mean, like, again, not lying when they were called every single night. They weren't able to find where these noises were coming from and were never able to find any evidence that someone was outside making these noises. So they had no idea where they were coming from. Um, the police ended up doing stakeouts outside the home because they weren't oh, finding wow. yeah, what the fuck was going on at the time. Um, so the Pomeranian family wasn't aware they were doing this. Officer Charles Frisbee was one of um He was on one of the stakeouts and he said, um, and I quote, I was about to give up and right at that moment we heard the beating on the house. So we both went around the house and found absolutely nothing. So they heard it. They heard the noise. Yeah. So these officers heard the noise and weren't able to explain where the fuck it was coming from or what it was. The police department ended up bringing in a somewhat canine unit to the house. So they didn't actually have like a real canine dog. One of the officers had like trained their own dog. Aww. And I'm just here <laughs> for just it. He's just doing like, his small best. small town community. <laughs> yeah. Good 10 boy. Out of 10, good boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they brought this dog and the dog refused to go near the home. Oh. Would not go near it at all. It just stood there and wouldn't budge. So the, they basically had to like kind of push it to the house it wouldn't go so they opened the car door and the dog got in the car and would not come out at all heckin scared just refused yeah um so there is a police report from october 31st 1974 Ooh, halloween. halloween yeah where the family reported the knockings and the bangs they called the cops however they were unaware that the cops were already outside watching the home at the time and the cops that were there reported that they saw nothing moving around the outside of the home when these noises happened and when they were reported. So they confirmed that no one was there. So they weren't sure where the noises were coming from. The sheriff department even went as far to have two officers sleep in the house. Um, this like town is very dedicated to its community. Let me tell you. I've been thinking that this whole time. I can't imagine like the Durham police asking for a sleepover to help you. Like, <laughs> No. There was one time our neighbor, um, he had like someone moving in like as a roommate and his roommate left the door open like it was wide open i don't know if like the wind caught it or something but they weren't there and the owner was like out he he's like a tattoo order so he was out somewhere and so we didn't know if someone like broke in so we happened to call mm-hmm. the cops and they were like annoyed they had to come out to look through a fucking house they were like <laughs> pissed off at us the the cops here like to just like sit at stop signs and hope someone runs a red so they can give them a ticket. That's the uh, extent of their policing. Yeah. Here. Or they sit outside. There was one time they sat outside the house. I don't know what they're looking for, but I was out in like my Marvel PJs and like walking <laughs> Kylo. And they we I live on a court, so they went down the court and came back up, stopped behind me as I'm walking my dog, and sh- like shone like the big freaking 
light at the side of their car on me. So it was like blaring. And I'm like, hello. And then just drove away. I was like, what are you doing? Like, we live on a dead end street. Like, the youngest fucking person here is me. Everyone else is like 90. Go away. <laughs> you must have looked really dangerous with your terrifying Marvel little dog. PJs. Yeah. <laughs> so the officers that stayed in the home that night, they heard noises, but didn't find out who was causing them. So they heard the bangs. But they also heard a disembodied voice say the name Harold. These officers oh. said it, I quote, this, this comes right from the report. Um, came drifting down from somewhere, end quote. So this voice dun, dun, just, dun. yeah, creepy. People were saying it has something to do with like their home and how it was built, like the pipes or something. But when the police who stayed at the home said that the gas and electricity were turned off and the noises and the pounding still continued. So they My light flickered when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> the, your, your spirit in your basement was like, correct. That's what happened. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> So on January 5th, 1975, oh, this one isn't like very creepy, guys. It's just insane how many fucking police reports are to have to do with this. Mm -hmm. It's nuts. Um, so on January 5th, 1975, the cops were called and they showed up at the Pomeranings home around 2.30 p.m. for blasts that were being heard inside the home. Um, so this was actually the day after the police officers stayed at the at the house that night um so those officers left at 6 a.m that morning so when these officers showed up at 2 30 while they were in the home they heard six blasts altogether. so not bangs it's not reported on this police report as bangs it's reported as blasts so on the police report they recorded the times of the blast which happened at 1 50 p.m 1 58 207 2 11 2 13 2 17 2 24 2 28 255 315 317 and then there was two blasts at 348 so they weren't able to determine where these were coming from wow they had no That's, idea sounds more annoying than anything. right like like at that point you're just like i just want to like sleep or like yeah to do homework like fuck off <laughs> <laughs> let me live yeah so um again most of these like reports are on the internet so you can go read them it's fucking crazy so on January 21st, 1975, in Saginaw News, um, they posted a front page story about the home being haunted and all the weird beings and like, sorry, and all the weird bangs and the cops being called there every night. Um, the new, we, I do have the news article, so maybe we can post that. Um, so the Pomeranning family filed a complaint with the sheriff's department about the news article on the same day. Um, they weren't talking to anyone about it. Um, about like what was going on in their home so obviously it spread like some other way safe to say they weren't too fucking happy about it yeah. um the article mentioned officers not by name but just that like some officers were at the home and they talked to these news reporters about the noises in the home so a complaint was filed with the sheriff's department and they did an investigation to determine who it came from because the sheriff's department did determine that it was an officer that would have mm -hmm. talked obviously um, i'm not sure of the outcome of that but um it was definitely one of the officers just running their fucking mouth yeah so now i gotta say i can't it. blame him if i was staying in a haunted house too i feel like i would tell absolutely everybody, everybody. <laughs> it's true i mean we have a podcast on it guys oh my so. god true oh side note did you see kesha's doing a spooky podcast oh my god yes i'm so excited i love that my new goal is to get kesha on this podcast <laughs> oh my god she'd think we're losers but I i've already you. tweeted her once of course you did i love that <laughs> i fucking love that 
Um, so on February 12th, 1975, Mrs. Pomeranning, I was never able to find her first name, so that's all I'm calling Oh, weird. And her son, Duan, um, were at the home getting ready for church for Ash Wednesday when a fire broke out in their bathroom. Now, it wasn't like this crazy fire. So a fire broke out randomly on a roll of toilet paper that was on the dispenser in their bathroom. Oh. So when they smelt it, they ran, like it was coming from the bathroom, and then they found that. When they found the roll, it was burnt almost completely through it. A few tiles beside it were burnt, and then the curtains were... I already forgot the word. Singed. Singed. That's it. They singed. were singed. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just going to leave it because, you guys, fuck it. Happy Friday. <laughs> What's Monday. I Friday speak. Monday. <laughs> I speak goodly. Um, so in the report, um, uh, the family even like offered to the Pomeranian family even offered to take like a polygraph test just to be like, I didn't start this fire. We aren't making these noises. Um, like just fully willing to cooperate and like prove yeah. that they aren't like doing all this stuff and they just want it resolved cause they're getting fucking sick of it. Um, so now in the report, which is from the Michigan state fire marshal, it reads, and I quote, it should be noted that two members of the Duke University Psychical Research Foundation, Durham, North Carolina, have been conducting extensive testing at the residence to determine the source of the strange noises and strange occurrences taking place here. It is felt by all parties involved that there is some supernatural phenomenon occurring at this location and that it also could be the cause of, or sorry, and that it also could be the cause of the fires which occurred end quote so the fucking re- fire marshal report literally says that it, they have no explanation for it um right. yeah so it that basically got, just sounded like we got some spooky shit going on but with like a lot of big words yeah and we can't fucking <laughs> do anything about it um so the report does go on to say and i quote it is the understanding of the undersigned officer that the burning of the roll of toilet paper is next to humanly impossible when it was rolled up in the normal toilet paper roll, as it is unable to get sufficient oxygen to produce enough heat to sustain burning. So oh, they're wow. saying that this toilet paper can't just like randomly combust. Like it just can't randomly spontaneous start on fire. toilet paper combustion. Yeah, it can't happen, <laughs> guys. It's not. And when they found it, it was like completely like burnt to like the end of it so it was like once a full roll and now it's not so they say that's completely impossible wow yeah that's actually a fun fact though i didn't know that that was not possible yeah neither did i I have no idea because you think just paper can fucking go up in flames but apparently not fact yeah um so now this case went from like the sheriff's department to the state police department um and then to the state fire marshal which apparently are all different levels um and they even had like a paranormal investigator from sweden come out to check out the home and they still have no idea why this stuff is happening um charles frisbee the officer i mentioned previously stated and i quote we never proved either way whether it was an elaborate hoax or paranormal activity if it was a prank it was a good one (laughs) i love that (laughs) yeah um so a year after all this activity the case was closed in the summer of 1975 because the house caught fire and destroyed a lot of it to the point where it was um not livable oh shit um um, it almost killed one of their sons thankfully it didn't so i believe he was like trapped in the room and the officers ended up like getting to him and like reviving him um the pomeranning family took that as a sign and moved the fuck out good for Um, them yeah So the current owners of the home bought it just after the fire broke out. 
Um, Luann Larson lives in the home and is from Merle, so she's from this town. So she knew about what was going on in the home and with the Pomeranian family prior to buying it. Uh, she says the home is definitely, like, it definitely has its spirits, but nothing has happened that has ever scared her or her family. Their old antique radio will crackle, even though it's not plugged in, <laughs> ever. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she said that there have been a few weird things that made her, like, second guess what was going on in the home. Like, items being moved around without seeing it. Like, leave your keys on the kitchen counter and find them, like, in the living room. Like, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, weird occurrences that you might not think of as being strange. But, like, being in that home, it makes you think it's strange. Um, but she said that they've never heard noises, bangs, or blasts that the previous family had, like, heard. To this day, no one has ever like no one has no idea what happened to this home and what causes it there is a show um that di- it's called um the haunting in heartland or something like that it's on the travel channel um but it was actually pretty good some um paranormal investigator went to this like talked about this home in their episodes mm-hmm. um and he said um that he like brought the family back like the Pomeranian family the sons back to the home and you could oh, wow. tell it like it like ruined their their childhood it yeah ruined that's it. insane yeah and the one kid that like almost passed away he was very upset and ended up getting angry and it was just it's crazy and it's really sad that's but, crazy that they like actually went on the show though yeah it's absolutely crazy so uh, there's really no explanation on why what was going on in this home at that time or um what like caused it but in the 1800s this town was actually hit with a smallpox outbreak is this where you were showing me smallpox yeah i was like holly like fuck smallpox are really terrifying (laughs) i'm freaking out and i didn't think they were i thought they were just chicken pox but wow they are not chicken pox no they're not chicken pox you guys not even close um so they were so much doing this podcast we really do I also had nightmares, so (laughs) (laughs) it freaked me the fuck out. (laughs) Um, So they had the smallpox outbreak, which ended up being like an epidemic for the small town. The town was forced to quarantine. However, the town also had many tragic fires at the same time. Now, people think that this town had put um, those infected with smallpox into homes and burnt them down, unfortunately. So Dice Road, where this home is located, is known to be haunted itself along with this home and a few other homes and cemeteries so on that episode um i think there's a couple more episodes but there are there's another home that is bothered there's like um an unsettled like spirit that's actually attacking a family that's located on dice road the cemetery there is supposed to be haunted and a few more places down this road so they think that people like people believe that the smallpox outbreak and killing people in these tragic fires may be the reason this place is so haunted so like unsettled Makes ghosts instead of yeah because like they burnt down like i'm pretty sure every building got burnt down except one which was the general store which is this other home this other home on dice road is haunt like supposed to be haunted and the spirit in this home is actively like attacking their grandchild and they live in the old general store which is the only building that's left from like the town because they burnt everything down (laughs) oh so does it like kind of hop from house to house you think they think that the whole town is like haunted basically and every crazy i mean it kind of makes sense though because like they had the the random fires in that at this house like yeah oh that's creepy yeah so you can like kind of start start to see like a little bit of connections there and um 
I know they did have some like mediums in the home um in this home and they do say that there is something there yeah so like all this stuff is supposed to like contribute to how active these homes are or how they can be because like if they had a full family with smallpox they just let the house on fire apparently and just let them die i'd be yeah, pretty so pissed that, off too i wonder if like the house they were living in like the family was still there kind of or, thing because like, like the this family said they built the home so they built this home in 1951 oh so it was just on the land yeah. right yeah kind of interesting so i didn't want to get into too much detail of the other places that are said to be haunted on dice road because there are going to be other episodes and i was more hoping to talk about say that yay so but yeah that a is a multi-part episode woo! yeah woo it's like a kind of like a first part one but you're not gonna part two next week sorry guys um oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the haunted home in merle for the pomeroning family well, that was sufficiently creepy. Yeah. The smallpox thing uh, was probably the creepiest thing, though. Yeah, the there pictures. was. Oh God, yeah. There... That'll just be our. We're not putting our like episode title thing. It'll just, it'll be, just smallpox. be smallpox. <laughs> like these poor people suffered, man. Like. God. Oh, definitely. I probably shouldn't laugh at it. Once again, I'm an insensitive asshole. But, but still, <laughs> the picture is insane. <laughs> no, it's insane. I've never quite seen it. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, terrifying. Yeah. I don't ever want smallpox. No. And there's, like, um, on the episode, they went into detail about, like, the neighbor being a witch and they, like, didn't like the oh, Pomeranian really? family. Yeah, I didn't go too much into that because there's not many articles on it, but that is a theory, but I don't know much about it, so. Interesting. Always blame a witch somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's always a witch's fault, right, people? So. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that, I guess we'll start to talk about, well, actually, do you know what? There's no murder in this episode, now that I think about it. Wait, What? yeah woo plot twist <laughs> we're not talking about murder you guys um it's i mean there's death <laughs> isn't that kind of because isn't that kind of weird that like we both are doing episodes like i did an episode that's not necessarily like a lot of evidence on being paranormal but like there's so many fucking police reports to the point where yeah don't know what's causing it so it's not super spooky but then you're like you're supposed to talk about murder and you're like ah, just kidding no murder just kidding we tend to do this a lot where it's like we accidentally make themed episodes yeah so you guys I love are when we do that. It's a brainwave um, thing. So I'm actually really excited for today's episode. Um, I can't believe that I haven't discussed cults yet on this episode or on this podcast because they're one of my favorite things to research. And like I watch documentaries about cults all the freaking time. Uh, the whole like charismatic leader thing has always fascinated me. Um, fun fact, I'm a huge nerd and I did a whole case study on charismatic leaders when I took uh, psychology, sociology, and anthropology in high school. I can't even say um, this all together. So that's oh i'm surprised i made that at one go so these are people like uh uh hitler and charles manson where you know what they're saying is uh, donald trump is another example you know he's absolutely batshit crazy but for some reason some people are like no this is the way yeah um so i've always been sort of fascinated about how how that works so that's why i decided to finally cover a cult in oh God, this so episode <laughs> so today i'm going to talk about one of the most infamous cults in history uh heaven's gate i was going to do the jonestown massacre but we all know that when we drink the kool-aid yada yada um so before i get started <laughs> before damn, i get started so, i love it <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. goodbye <laughs> that's that's the story they drank that's the kool-aid it. people probably um, like who don't know are like why are we drinking kool-aid <laughs> You should know it, and you should be drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before I get started, I wanted to let everybody know that this, quote, religious group is still in operation to this day. So keep that in mind. Um, terrifying. 
This cult began back in the 1970s when a teacher named Marshall Applewhite was fired for having an inappropriate relationship with a male student. Um, I believe he was a college professor at the time, so this person was likely over the age of 18, but it was one of those, like, you're not supposed to be sleeping with your students kind of thing. I mean, uh, I feel so like that's, like, a, a general rule. But yeah. Good that <laughs> we're already fired. off to a really great start here. Yeah. Um, Marshall would later be sent to a psychiatric facility where he met a nurse named Bonnie Nettles, and the two bonded over their interest in biblical prophecy, something that Danielle and I also bonded over. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, they believed that they were bonded because they both felt that they had met each other in another life, which is also like me and Danielle. Um, also like Danielle, Bonnie was known to tell people that she knew her and Marshall would meet because the aliens told her. Um, yeah, definitely. So she was a huge believer in aliens, just like Danielle. Um, <laughs> again, <laughs> we're just getting started here. This is just the tip of this crazy iceberg. Um, they began combining their beliefs using teachings from the New Testament mixed with a dash of astrology, mysticism, belief in reincarnation, and science fiction, and started preaching their beliefs to how all those who would listen. Thing, so how can you put in science fiction when it's fiction? Uh, just... Uh, oh, I hit the mic. Sorry for future editing, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> mind blown so by the mid 70s they had convinced 20 people to pack up their bags and leave their families for a road trip to colorado uh bonnie and marshall had told their followers that an alien spaceship was coming to see them and i gotta admit i think i would go with them too just in case it was real but it wasn't i would Um, honestly i would definitely be on there i'd be like yeah hold on there's an alien coming honestly i was ready to go to area 51 when was that last year oh my god yeah i was ready to go i was thinking about it (laughs) We almost bought the plane ticket, you guys. We should have gone. Look at where the year went after that. I know. Fuck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously there was no spaceship. Um, naturally, people were annoyed by this, and they started to realize this alien Jesus religion thing was a sham. So their group started to thin out quite a bit. Uh, the remaining members up and moved to Texas, where they lived together after cutting ties with all of their friends and family. They lived pretty quietly. They kept entirely to themselves. They didn't really have any outside friends or anything. Um, like and me. <laughs> we are a cult yeah um so they they were completely you know quote normal looking on the outside um in 1985 bonnie nettles passed away after a battle with lung cancer Aww. leaving marshall in a dark pit of depression um he vowed to continue their teachings after her death and by the early 90s the internet had become a thing so marshall used this to his advantages he and a few followers put together a website using the title higher source and used it to bring in more followers um i think it was interesting that this cult started in the 70s and then like the internet was sort of the um the catalyst that made it sort of get to where it got um i feel well, like the internet plays a lot of roles in stuff that shouldn't be a thing a lot of crimes yeah it's not always a great place no. <laughs> um so marshall would preach that the aliens were coming to take him and his followers to heaven because i don't know um he would tell them that <laughs> i don't know i literally wrote because i don't know it just felt like that. an incomplete sentence and then i ruined it um <laughs> it was so- just like endless it was just uh oh my god what is it called just f- fuck it for whatever I'm <laughs> uh we're too tired for this um god was an alien and that the apocalypse was well on its way he would instruct them to read the bible especially revelation chapter 11 in the new testament if anyone knows what this is can you like let us know is it like apocalyptic i'm assuming it's apocalyptic a pop that word that, word. <laughs> that a word <laughs> 
Um, so as the years passed, hundreds of people had joined Heaven's Gate. Uh, I'm just going to actually put something in here because I realized I didn't put it. So Heaven's Gate was not their official name. Like, they didn't call themselves Heaven's Gate. It became their name. Okay, so it was, like, kind of given like, the to public. Them? Okay. Yeah, so they I don't think they ever really called themselves anything. They were just, like a religion um but i'm gonna get to why they're called that towards the end but just for reference they didn't call themselves that okay um so as the years passed hundreds of people had joined heaven's gate some had left but those who had stayed had devoted their entire lives to marshall and his newfound religion um they had left their homes and grew into a little community that lived and worshiped together in order to assert his dominance and keep control over the group marshall started imposing new rules Rule number one, everything must be the same. What kind of rule is that? (laughs) The worst rule ever. It's like Catholic school on steroids. Um, So the followers all dressed the same, wore their hair the same, ate the same, woke up and went to bed at the same time. You kind of get the picture. They were literally identical in every single way. That's terrifying. Uh, One... It sounds awful. I don't know why you would be like, this is great. Um, One surviving member from the group named Michael Conyers later gave an interview and described what it was like, saying, quote, everything was designed to be an exact duplicate. You were not to come up with, well, I'm going to make the pancakes this big. There was a mixture, a size, how long you cooked it on one side, how much the burner was on, and how many a person got, how the syrup was poured on it, everything. So this tactic here is called indoctrination. And the idea is to get followers to obey seemingly small commands to assert control in the relationship. And as uh, as the relationship continues, the commands progress and become more extreme. So you, like, get their trust with small things. Like, you know, if we all dress the same, it'd be really cool. Are we sure? And like, then it the, goes to, like... Are we sure the sorry. cult leader isn't just, like, have, like, severe OCD? <laughs> like, um, I definitely think he had uh, something... Um, you kind of see it more towards the end a little bit. Actually, no, it's actually coming up now where you're going to hear. I think he had some, like, underlying issues okay. surrounding uh, particularly his sexuality. Um, so he was married with children when he had that affair with his male student. Okay. So he, he seemed to have been sort of closeted um, for a good majority of his life. So he definitely has something. Okay. But that's um, absolutely crazy. Like yeah it sounds like not much fun no i like my pancakes big and fluffy yeah (laughs) chocolate chips in them oh hell yeah Yeah. blueberries um Mm. oh blueberries are the best if you're not doing chocolate chip then it has to be blueberry i do both treat myself oh i like your style (laughs) the pancake out yeah i was like (laughs) i've turned pancakes (laughs) (laughs) gonna try to talk carl into having pancakes for dinner um (laughs) So members were asked to cleanse their bodies of, quote, impure influence of things like fast food and impure and sexual thoughts. So McDonald's. Um, first of all, if you tell me not to eat McDonald's, I, I will physically fight you. Yeah. Um, so this led to Marshall commanding that the group do what's known as the master cleanse. This is a mix of lemon juice, honey, and cayenne pepper. Um, people often drink this before bed or first thing in the morning to detox or reduce bloat or some shit. But Marshall had his followers live off of only this concoction for three months straight in order to be purified for their ascent to alien heaven. How many people died? So far, none. Okay. So far. I'm surprised. Um, fun fact, I used to do this cleanse because Beyonce said she did this cleanse. And it's you do not everything that great. Beyonce says. Absolutely. And it was not. I, I am still bloated. <laughs> <laughs> Just like permanently bloated. Uh, so a Marshall believed that their great alien heaven was a place that knew no gender. So he asked all male members to be castrated in <gasps> order to stay in the cult. I was like, um, that's kind of cool because like 
I can get that, but like to be castrated, no. No, no, you no. can accept everybody without removing body parts. Yeah. <laughs> so an alarming amount of people agreed. Um, so I think it was eight total male members did it. Um, and the, I read an article where uh, an ex-cult member said that the guys who like did it were like g- giddy and giggling like children on Christmas on their way to like go get that done. Um, so it's, it's actually so fucked what it does to the human mind to be in a cult. I just, I don't get it. I just, um, it's just so, absolutely baffling because it's literally all just like the, it's just the mental manipulation. That's all yeah, it is. Yeah, 100%. It's uh, a perfect combination of someone who's like, I don't want to say like weak minded, but maybe in a weaker state. Yeah. And then someone just saying all the right things to take advantage of it. It's, it's baffling. It's like checking out um, a box in their head. They're like, okay, cool. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so the group was forbidden to have sex or even form platonic relationships with each other. So they were not allowed any physical contact with any other members, not even like a high five. This um, sounds so, so I find, yeah, this is the worst cult ever. Yeah. Um, so I find this interesting given this whole thing started because Marshall was caught having sex with a student. Um, I think it's almost like he's projecting his guilt and shame onto his followers by, uh, one, removing their genitals, and two, like, banning sex and, and hugging and touching yeah. and all of that. Did he remove his um, genitals? I believe he did. Okay. Uh, I should have I put this in here. I can't remember. I think he did, though. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but... Yeah, so he's like he's committed to this, at least. Um, survivors had said that at the end of the day, every decision was up to the individual. If they didn't want to participate, they didn't have to, but there was something about how charismatic Marshall Applewhite was that made everyone want to do what he commanded regardless. So he, he never pressured anyone. He was never like, you all have to get castrated. He's like, I think we should. And eight whole people went, you're right. <laughs> Take my dingling. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Like, what the- um, oh. So this is the part where I'm going to fuck up pronunciation. Um, in 1995, astronomers discovered the comet Hale-Bopp. Hale-Bopp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Marshall believed this comet was actually just a distraction and was hiding an alien spaceship behind it, which carried his long-lost Bonnie and was a sign that the group were about to start their ascension to alien heaven. So the, the camp packed up their belongings. I just can't. You're like, I can't take this seriously right now. Uh, it just, it's baffling that someone was like alien God. Yes. Yes. So the camp packed up their belongings to begin their trip to California. They settled in San Diego by 1996 in a giant ass mansion. Um, so they all lived in one mansion together and they supported themselves by becoming web developers. <laughs> this to me is the strangest so fucking weird. thing about this whole cult. Like, they don't have a farmer's market or, like, handmade clothes or something that sounds culty. They became web developers. Um, That's so weird. Designed- I, that, like, literally have no words. It's just... That's so weird. <laughs> I definitely messaged uh, Stuart and Travis. It was like, just so you know, this entire cult was web developer. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, my fiance might join this cult. We never know. Yeah. He likes I his think wee-wee, actually- though, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to get there. <laughs> He might be able to keep it. Maybe. Um, so, yeah, they designed websites for customers and used funds to build their own website where they would offer uh, where they would offer users a path to Heaven's Gate. So this is the phrase here that spawned the cult's nickname. Um, so the, the website's still up, and when you go there, it literally just says, uh, this is the path to Heaven's Gate. It's creepy. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. 
<laughs> so as this comet approached the Earth, uh, Marshall had begun to tell his followers that the only way to ascend was to leave their human bodies behind and find a new body in alien heaven, a.k.a. a mass suicide. You guys, um, sorry to interrupt, but like for being web developers, their website is shit. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get to that, actually. So the website was made in 1997 and has not been updated since, but is still operating for a reason. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. isn't it isn't it hilarious? Yeah, you guys, I looked at it and like, fuck, man, it's amazing. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm not here for it, but like, I'm here for that website. What the fuck? It, it's so ugly. Um, so many followers had left the group at this point, and only 39 people remained. Only, uh, only 39. Only. Well, I mean, they had like over 100 at one point. Um, so the comet be- uh, started zooming in on the planet. Uh, the comet's trip took a total of 18 months, and somehow 39 people thought, man, this still sounds like a great idea for 18 whole months. Um, in March you guys of 1997. And they still to went with it, it, man. Um, in March of 1997, the comet was the closest to the Earth it was going to get and, and began its journey across the sky. So in March 1997 is when it became visible, basically. Um, this signaled to Marshall and his followers that it was time to go meet alien Jesus. On March 19th, Marshall posted a video on their website explaining why it is necessary to leave the earth. Uh, quote, we're about to return to whence we came, he says. Quote, I can lead you into that kingdom level above human. That can't happen unless you leave the human world that you're in and come and follow me. Time is short. Last chance. Um, it's even creepier when you see a picture of him, just like he's, he's creepy looking. Um, most cult ones are, I think. Yeah. Right. On March 21st, 1997, the last 39 remaining members treated themselves to a dinner at their local Marie calendars, ordering 39 identical meals, turkey pot pie, blueberry cheesecake, and iced tea. A boring ass last meal, if you ask me. Let's hope you don't have like, you're in this cult, you don't have like fucking allergies to like blueberry or something like that, because you're going to have to eat it anyways. They actually ended up uh, interviewing one of the waitresses at the restaurant because, uh, they thought it was so weird that 39 people ordered the exact same meal like they called ahead and they're like hey there's 39 of us coming and we all want this that'd be um, so they'd be like what the hell like what is going yeah. on yeah first of all i'd be pissed i've worked in the service industry before <laughs> then they began their great plan into ascension the plan was actually found afterwards documented in a book titled the routine okay um so all members were wearing the exact same outfit for the routine, a black tracksuit with black and white Nikes. Nike actually ended up discontinuing the style shortly after the routine took place. You'll see why in a second. But fun true crime fact, crazy shoe collectors have been known to shell out upwards of $6,600 to snag a pair of these shoes. That's so creepy. Unworn, too. It's not like they're from the crime scene. It's just like they're close enough that they're like, I need it. That's something Zach um, Bagans would do. Would get. Yeah, he would. Absolutely. I Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we already had them. I mean, true. Um, So anyways, the routine says that 15 people would be assisted by eight people on the first day, March 24th. Those 15 people ingested the sedative phenobarbital um, that they dissolved into apple juice and a vodka chaser. The eight who assisted them then put bags on the victims' heads as they laid down on mattresses that were sort of strewn across the mansion. Um, They then draped purple silk covers over the victims' faces for privacy as they began their alleged alien ascension. No, guys, you just stuffed Caton. Literally. Um, So 15 more people died the next day, followed by nine people on March 26th. Investigators discovered that Marshall Applewhite was the seventh person to die on the last day, followed shortly by two women who had assisted him. 
Uh, many of the dead had been followers of Marshall's for over 22 years. Damn. Among the dead were 21 women and 18 men between the ages of 26 and 72. Now, no one outside of those mansion walls knew any of this was going down because the cult had cut off all contact from the outside world. However, on March 26th, which was the last day of the deaths, um, a former cult member had received a package in the mail. This package contained several videotapes that featured cult members saying their goodbyes and sharing their excitement about their ascension to alien heaven. Um, this former member had a pretty good idea what was going on, and he called 911 immediately. The police arrived later that day and discovered all 39 bodies in their identical tracksuits with their identical shoes and their identical purple cloths over their faces. Um, can you just imagine walking into that crime scene, first of all? That would be absolutely like, terrifying the creepiest thing i've ever heard of in my life um so investigators had also discovered several guns in the house which was odd considering the group was generally non-violent um it was later explained by uh former members that marshall was very paranoid after watching the disaster unfold in waco texas uh for those who don't know i can't remember the name of the cult there was another cult they had a house in waco texas uh the fbi or someone tried to save the children there it did not end well lots of people died um so he believed after this that the fbi was following him and his followers around so they kept weapons on hand just in case so it was also believed that these guns were going to be the original tool used in their ascension but barbiturate laced applesauce sounded better in the long run i guess and i gotta say i agree i would much rather eat applesauce and die than be like shot in the face yeah because like you Um, can survive a gunshot wound so yeah and then it hurts and also applesauce is delicious oh my god um The strangest thing found on the crime scene was that each member had one $5 bill and three quarters in all of their pockets. Um, There were a few theories behind this. Some believe that this was a manner of protection from the police. Um, Police had allegedly accused a member of vagrancy, which I didn't even know that was a crime. Yeah, what the... Um, So Marshall made all of his members keep a valid ID and this um, uh, exact amount of cash to prove that they had a home and money. That's so weird. Um i know another theory you have a home here's five dollars another theory yeah five dollars and 75 cents proof um another theory says that this amount was decided to ensure that all members always had enough money for transport if they were ever stranded on one of their biblical journeys um the last theory was that this was the amount that was owed in order to enter heaven's gate so it was like a, a passage ritual thing um obviously we will never find out the real meaning but i'm kind of leaning towards that one it sounds right yeah um so their original website is still up and running today preserved from 1997 um i i I wrote seriously go check it out but we already did (laughs) um but it's it's so dated it looks so funny um it's believed to be preserved by two members who had missed the spaceship but still want to keep the religion alive today according to a vice article published just last month uh, the cult has the cult has a whole four remaining members still preaching the, their alien Jesus to this day. That's crazy. Alien Jesus, man. Like, you know what's absolutely crazy is, like, all these people died. And, like, imagine, like, they actually are with, like, their alien Jesus and it's a thing and they're just looking down on us fucking laughing. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually thought that halfway through. Like, we have no way to prove that they're not with alien Jesus right, right now. They very well could be with alien They could Jesus. be living their best lives with alien Jesus. I hope they are for their sake because, like, I feel bad for them. Um, or they're, like, stuck in that mansion in their own little purgatory. Oh, uh, like, with bags over their head with $5 to their name, and that's it. <laughs> A ghost $5. Yeah. They probably play poker all the but time. Yeah. I love that. I thought that one was wild just because, like, 
the reason behind it like alien jesus really (laughs) out of all the things but i'll probably do more cults because i find them absolutely fascinating they're absolutely and i would love to find one that i don't know yeah like i knew what heaven's gate was before i would love to try to discover like a weird one that i haven't heard of before if you guys are part of a cult let us know (laughs) (laughs) they are part of a cult they're part of our cult our spooky cult (laughs) ah that's so funny that is wild you can come hang out at our spooky cult yeah our spooky cult has instagram it's way better than heaven's gates <laughs> po- our website yeah <laughs> your website's shit heaven's yeah. Gate. <laughs> you gotta update i work hard on that instagram maybe the people that um are like running the site now like weren't the web developers so they just can't update it oh and that's just stuck that's there. so funny they were like i never thought they about were like that. the useless we ones should... of the group so they got stuck we should uh <laughs> hook them up with stewart and like get it updated oh my god yes <laughs> could you imagine he would probably get like shut it down <laughs> we've gone way Off. out of the yeah. realm of what's right and normal <laughs> but yeah like screw their website come look at our instagram it's way cooler um yeah it's, um a spooky hour podcast you can find us on twitter at spooky hour and you can email in your spooky tales to our gmail it's the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com we have a couple updates um i just want to give a shout out to kendra because you're fucking hilarious and she totally called oh, we got a kendra yeah update. she told me totally called me out on my like lack of use of social like social media because she <laughs> emailed her update and i fucking read it and i told you about it and i replied to her yesterday realizing it's been like a couple it's been like almost a week and a half and i'm like fuck me i'm so sorry i was supposed to reply to you and if i it forgot makes you, if it makes you feel any better i'm supposed to be in charge of social media and i don't think i ever check the email i check the email when you tell me to yeah. check the email the email is my job so you guys just hate on me it's fine danielle that's social media for danielle she's she's doing her best i'm doing okay? my best <laughs> i'm stuck in 1997 with the fucking heaven's gate okay <laughs> give me a break (laughs) oh my goodness you guys have a wonderful yeah we hope you do and again kendra thank you you're lovely and you're awesome we appreciate you and but we have her update and her house story that's been buried or yeah her buried house oh about why it's buried we have an update for you guys and it's gonna come but whenever get in your spooky tales so email us and that's it and just stay spooky and fun and and all that stay spooky bye (laughs) 